Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. David ruled seven years in the capital of Hebron. That's where he started, if you remember, until he moved to Jerusalem to reign for another 33 years. And just because we're here on the, on the moment, I just want to say Hebron was a refuge city, and he reigned there se- seven years. What is significant about the number seven in the Bible? Seven means completeness. God created everything six days on the seventh day. He rested, which means seven days is now completed. So seven means completion. Did you know that you have complete refuge in Messiah Jesus, the King of Israel? Just saying while we're here, let's move on. (laughs) But he reigned seven years in Hebron, and then he went to Jerusalem. He moved the capital over there to reign for another 33 years. David, he was around 70 years old when he died. Now, David was a remarkable man. He was a poet. He was a warrior. We, We saw him cut Goliath's head off. He struck him down. and also. He was a military strategist. David had huge successes. He also had a lot of major failures, too. David messed up a lot. And since people tend to concentrate on the negatives, you know how it is today? People will find the one thing wrong with you and open fire and just attack you for your flaws. I mean, gosh, look at me for five minutes. You can, or five seconds. You can find flaws about me. You sure can. That's not what you concentrate on. But since people do that, I want us to remember. Acts 13 and 22. It says, He raised up for them, Israel, David as king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. See, there it is. Do what God says. David just passed that to Solomon. Do what God tells you to do. David messed up. Oh, he messed up bad, but he still, God considered him a man after his own heart. How amazing is that? So we had all these comparisons of several men in our chapter so far. We had Joab and Shimei who acted against God's will for us to now compare with Barzillai and David who acted in agreement with God's will. You got the we didn't, we're not going to obey versus the we are going to obey crowd. Now those who walk in agreement with the will of God Those are people who are after God's own heart because they love what God loves, and they also hate what God hates. See, I love life, so I have to hate those that cause death. David loves life like the Lord, so he had to judge against the murderers like Joab. David, yes, he messed up, but it was at the inner core of his inner will that he agreed with God. Even at times when he messed up, his inner being still had an agreement with the Lord. It's kind of like in marriage. You're going to sometimes have a disagreement with your spouse. Sometimes you're going to debate things. You're not going to see eye to eye. You're not going to agree on things. And maybe it might cause a little bit of conflict. But you still know 
that even though you had a little disagreement, you still know that their inner will is to walk in agreement with you, even though there's a few bumps in the road at times. Maybe you wanted pizza for dinner and she wanted to do something else. And, well, I don't, I don't want to do it. Well, I don't want to do pizza, you know. He's, okay, but that doesn't mean pack your bags and get out and leave and don't ever come back. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? You're going to have times like that, and it's okay. But the core of their being is that I still walk with you. David was a man after God's own heart. David was under covenant with God. And those of you who are married, you're in a marriage covenant with your spouse, okay? So David was under covenant, and even though he messed up, the Lord still brought him through the covenant to its completion. You know, we sing in my church sometimes, uh, praise before we do the service, we sing songs that have lyrics like, I'm so unworthy, but still you love me. If you know the song, we're so unworthy, but still you love me. That's our God. Isn't that great? Now, there's a wonderful picture that we're given just by looking at the closing of David's life. The incredible journey that David went through, which began as a humble shepherd boy, very lowly. Then God called David into covenant. He called him to be king and instant royalty. David made mistakes along the way, yet the Lord did not, listen to me, he did not revoke the covenant that he had made with David. Let me make this as clear as I possibly can. Even though David sinned, this did not invalidate the covenant promise of God. God bound this covenant, not David. God put the terms of the covenant upon himself. He did not put the terms on David. Friends, I want you to understand, salvation is bound with covenant. It's not just, you'll be saved until you mess up, and then we'll take it back. It's bound by covenant. Now, before you think I'm saying sin license, don't blow out on me. Let me speak first, please, okay? In Hebrews 7.22, it says, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. And just like David, how David was lowly when God called him, God also calls the humble as well. 1 Peter 5 and 5, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so David was called into covenant and instant royalty. How many of you would like that? Well, guess what? You get to have it because when the Lord God calls us to the grace of Jesus Christ, he calls us into instant royalty. Second Timothy 2 and 12 says we shall also reign with him. Friends, you don't reign unless you're royalty, okay? He called us to be priests. He called the Jews to be royal priests, and I as a Gentile am grafted in through Jesus Christ, and man, what a great deal. You're called into instant royalty. Now, David, he was a man under covenant. That's the important thing we got to get here. A lot of people don't understand covenant these days. That's why everybody's divorcing people left and right. We live in a disposable razor blade type of, uh, of world today. When I'm done using you, I'll just throw you in the trash, go get me another one. That's the way people act with everyone. We are long removed from what covenant is, that we need to get back to understanding it. David was a man under covenant, and although he messed up, the Lord still saved David from every distress and still held up the covenant that he had made with David. Now, there's a lot of people, they don't like the concept of a sealed promise covenant like this, because they, they, they take it off into two very different extreme directions. 
Some think that sealed covenant, as far as salvation goes, that allows them a sin license, that they can do anything they want, and that since God made the salvation covenant with me, he has to bind it. So I'm just going to go sin, sin away and act like the devil because, hey, God put me in covenant. He has to save me. So I'm just going to do what I want to. Wrong. Can't do that. Then there's the other camp. They refuse to believe in a sealed covenant because they hate those that would abuse the sealed covenant. The people that think they have a sin license, woohoo, party all I want to. I'm a believer in Jesus, so I'm just going to do what I want. They infuriate the other side that says, you cannot take grace and use it for a sin license. And so both sides, they think, no, sealed salvation is not possible. I say both sides are wrong because we learn from David's life is that when God seals you for real, see, there's a lot of people that think they're saved and they're not. And those are the ones that say, hey, let's go sin and party. I don't think they ever really got in the covenant in the first place. They just want to think they are. No, that don't add up. When God seals you with a guaranteed covenant, especially an unconditional one, the end result is to get you to realize what David realized here in this chapter. He puts you under covenant. Yes, you're going to mess up, okay? It's a sinful thing that we do. We are sinners. God already knew that when he made the covenant. It says in the scripture, when Christ died for us, he already knew that we were sinners, yet he still died for us anyway, okay? He knows this. God knows we're sinners. Well, David messed up a lot, but David, at the end of his life, because of that covenant, because God never let that covenant off of him, David recognized that you should never do whatever you want to, but rather you should walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and testimonies. Do what God says. David never backed off and saying, hey, you're under covenant, Solomon. Just go send your tail off and enjoy being king. You're rich. You can have whatever you want. It's party time. David never said that. He said, listen to me, son. You better do what God tells you. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's a pretty cut and dried statement right there. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, there's a lot of people that say, yeah, I love Jesus, and they're not keeping his commandments. So what does that mean? means they don't really love him. You know, if you tell your kids to go clean up your room, they go, no. Well, there's a problem here, isn't there? (laughs) But when you tell your kids to clean up the room and they say no and they don't do it, parents, let me ask you, do you pack their bags and kick them out on the street and say goodbye to them and never see them ever again? They're out of the family and gone? No, of course you don't do that. You still keep them because you are bound to them. When you get under covenant with God through Jesus Christ, you belong to him. He, He takes ownership. He commits to you. And yes, we're going to mess up. Sometimes we're going to tell God no. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that it's okay to do that. You've got to do what God says, but that does not invalidate the covenant. We have to look at David's life here. This is a man under covenant. He sinned. He sinned a lot. You remember what he did? He committed adultery. He had her husband killed, but that did not, it did not break the covenant. It did not invalidate the covenant. Now, what we really need to see here is what David learned from the covenant, because he said to Solomon, do not abuse this covenant. This is a man who lived through covenant, messed up, and now what's he saying? Don't abuse it. That's what I'm saying. You don't abuse covenant. Sealed salvation, yes, but don't abuse it, because it's going to bring consequences in addition to the covenant. 
You can choose your sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come along with it. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've had people get so infuriated at me because they assume that I'm teaching, just say the Jesus prayer and you're saved and you can go do anything you want to. You don't have to obey God because you're under government. Just do what you want. I never preach that. Never, not a once. Not at all. You will never hear me teach or preach a sin license. What I will preach is that if you are under covenant with God, if you love Jesus, keep his commandments. Do what he says. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. You've got threefold promise there. Look at that. I want us to look at a quick summary of David's life. I want you to check this out, and I'm going to give it to you in order so that you can see what I'm saying here. Because some of you are shaking your head, no, turn that guy off. He's preaching a, a false thing. It's, it's dangerous. You're, you're teaching a dangerous doctrine. You, you look at this, okay? First, 2 Samuel 7, God made his covenant with David. Later, 2 Samuel 11, David committed adultery with Bathsheba, murdered Uriah, and he had to endure tons of consequences. See, that's the part most people forget. Then, in 1 Kings one twenty nine, David proclaimed that the Lord had redeemed his life from every distress. See, that's the Lord governing him still. And then 1 Kings 2.3, he tells Solomon, you better do what God says. So again, 2 Samuel 7, God made covenant. 2 Samuel 11, David sent his tail off. 1 Kings one twenty nine, David proclaimed the Lord has always saved me. 1 Kings 2 and 3, he tells Solomon, you better do what God tells you to do. Friends, this is a man who had been under covenant and messed up, and he learned the hard way. David has given it to us on a silver platter. Here's the way you treat covenant. When you get under covenant, you better do what God says. But I want you to understand it did not break the covenant. The reason I'm trying to tell you this is because a bunch of you are out there listening to me right now. You messed up somewhere, and you are torturing yourself thinking you blew it. You didn't. If you're truly under covenant with God, the covenant's still there. The consequences, yes, you're going to have to deal with. God's not going to let you off of that. But that did not invalidate your covenant. Take easy rest and peace in the Lord God that when he makes a promise, he keeps it. At the same time, those of you who say you're under covenant, but you have not been doing what the Lord tells you to do and you don't care to, it's not on your mind. You're just like, nah, 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 nah. I'm saved. I can do what I want. I'm going to warn you right now, you're probably not under covenant and you need to wake up and smell the roses. You need to take God as your king authority and do what he tells you to do. You're in trouble. So I'm covering both sides. I'm covering both sides of the equation. Those who say, "Uh uh-oh, I messed up, I blew it, you didn't. And those of you who just kind of, eh, whatever, you just take it like as a meal ticket, you just punch my card and I, I can just go through. No, you can't. You have to do what the Lord God says. Covenant means you do what the Lord says. But he already factored in the, in the equation that we're sinners. He already knows that. Now, do you ever notice how people make excuses for their disobedience these days? The one that I always hear, people often tell me why they won't assemble with believers in, in the body of Christ. They will say things like, well, I'm not in church right now because 
you know, I just didn't like what my last pastor was doing. I, I don't like the things he, I, he's just doing things I didn't like. Or they say something like, well, we just hadn't found a church that we really like yet. So let me ask you a question. You have jobs that you don't really like, but you still go to your job, don't you? I heard this guy say the other day, he said, churches aren't really teaching the word anymore. They're watering it down. So we just don't even go anymore. <laughs> what? Oh, how spiritual you sound. You know, God did not command us in Hebrews 10, by the way, it says it. He did not say, assemble with believers unless you find a fault, then you don't have to obey. He said, assemble with the believers. Now, there's going to be things happen you don't like. I get it. But that doesn't give you a, a, your little excuse factory a, a way to say, well, we're not going. We're not going to obey the Lord anymore because we have all these reasons. You know, David learned through his life. He learned you be reverent to God and don't abuse the covenant. Don't don't abuse that. Too many people are abusing covenant, and it's so common that it has saturated our entire culture that everybody has a reason why they don't go to church anymore. Why well, don't because of this? I don't because of that. I think it's time that we show the world what our committed God looks like by showing them what committed believers look like. These people need to know who God is. They think that he will not execute judgment on the wicked. We have to look at how David told Solomon to execute the merciless men, Joab and Shemai. James 2.13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. This means that the Lord will actually condemn those who refuse to walk according to his ways, and when they don't walk according to God's ways of goodness, they will show no goodness to other people. However, David also told Solomon to extend grace to those who had been gracious. You remember Barzillai. He gave to David when he was on his way out of Jerusalem and even went looking for David when he was on his way back. Barzillai was looking for his king's return. Hebrews 11.6 says, God rewards those who diligently seek him. <laughs> we got to be looking for our king to be coming back, and it said diligently seek him. You know what diligently means? It means you're really looking. You ever misplace your car keys and you can't go to work until you find them? You're diligently looking for those car keys, right? Now, if you're just looking for something to watch on TV, you're just kind of, eh, not that. That's not diligently looking. You got to look for him. Why do I look for him? You read his word. You pray. You get together with the assembly of believers. All these things that God's telling you to do that you're not doing. You want to be considered one of those that God's going to reward? Well, come on. Let's do all what God says. Let's do it. There's a lot in that book. Well, I don't know what's in the book. Well, get started. <laughs> you got a lot to read. Get after it. Friends, I'm looking for Messiah Jesus, and this is how you do it, by finding out who he is, what he wants you to do, and doing it. And David gave Solomon the authority to judge people, to think that the Father gave the Son the authority to judge. John 5, 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. <laughs> Friends, these Bible stories that we're reading, things that happened to give us a clear picture of who God is, so that you can understand what God's like. And ultimately, what we get out of this chapter, 
is that whenever God makes an unconditional covenant, he keeps that covenant promise. He keeps it. If God didn't keep promises, he'd be a liar. But at the same time, God is also just. He wants to be giving to those who are giving. He wants to be give goodness to those who are good, but he has to be just, and he administers judgment to those who are in covenant as well as those who are not. Judgment, that's a bad word these days. People take it as a negative. Judgment's good. You know, when people run in the in the Olympics and they win a race first, second, and third, you put them on what's called a BEMA, that little platform with the first, second, and third place different levels, and they stand there and they are rewarded. They are judged. I judge you first. Gold medal to you. I judge you second. Here's the silver. They are judged according to the good things they did that was right. Judgment's not always a bad word. And so God judges those who are both in covenant as well as those who are not in covenant. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Okay, <laughs> friends, you want to build up these rewards, and, and depending on this judgment here, you, you got to do what God says. Friends, if you've been thinking about getting under covenant with Jesus, the new covenant that Jesus died for on the cross that he is able to offer you, that's salvation. And those who are truly in that covenant will prove that they really are in that covenant by doing what God says. When somebody says they're a Christian and they're not following the Lord God at all, don't trust them because if you trust them, you're going to do what they do. God did not call you to be like Christians. He called you to be like Christ. This requires repentance on our part. I had a friend ask me the other day, what is repentance? What does that mean? I said, watch, this is what it means right here. And I turned around. I just turned around. They said, I'm looking at the back of your head. I said, yeah, I know. I did a 180. (laughs) I turned around. That's repentance. You turn 180 degrees the other direction, and you give your life to Jesus Christ. That means you're no longer doing what you want to do. That means you're now doing what he says to do. When you call Jesus Lord, that means you're the boss now, and you follow the Lord. So I gave my life to Jesus so I can look forward to his return. Where's Jesus? I'm looking for him. I want to be able to identify when he's going to return because I'm looking forward to gaining the rewards for obedience instead of penalty of condemnation. I'm under covenant with Jesus. Not only do I get saved, but my obedience can generate rewards that he's going to give to me when he comes back. Isn't that great? If you want everything you put your hand to to prosper, do what God says. Pray with me if you would. Father, I have sinned. I'm sorry. I thank you for the covenant promise that you have offered me in Jesus Christ, the surety of a better promise. Lord, I want to get under that covenant. Lord, I take it. I thank you for coming. I thank you. My thankfulness is enough to cause me to want to obey you because you looked out for me when you went and died for me. Thank you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, what you do others will do. If you will follow Jesus, others that see you will follow Jesus too. Let's do what the Lord God says. And always remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.